Well, this has officially been the worst December in my life. I know we just came through two years of COVID restrictions, and yes, December 2020 in particular was very sad. We, I really missed being in church that year, uh, and, and at Christmas time in particular. But this year has been a lot harder for my family, for sure. <laughs> uh, in October and uh, November, Becky and the girls got a few itchy bug bites on their bodies. And we hoped and prayed it wasn't what it seemed to be, but then on November 29th, the day after my birthday, Becky saw them. We had bed bugs in our house. And the next week of our life, our home was upended as we ran things through the dryer and put things in a big freezer and pulled up baseboards and all the things we had to do to get ready to get sprayed. And then we got sprayed and spent the next two weeks cleaning and living out of plastic bags. Some of you may have noticed last week I had to run. My daughter wet herself, Hannah, on my lap, and I had to run home and find pants out of a plastic bag before I preached like three minutes later. Thankfully, I live close to the church. It's been a crazy couple weeks, and then they finally, this Tuesday, they sprayed a second time. We were able to kind of put our lives back together. That took a few days, and finally on, on about Thursday, we felt like, okay, we're kind of in a good place, and then my parents texted and said they had COVID, and we were kind of not going to do Christmas together. Uh, as the only time that's ever happened is that, you know, we usually do Christmas pretty close to the 25th with my parents, and uh, even during the restrictions last, in 2020, they started the strict lockdowns on Boxing Day. And so we saw them, and it just, we'll, we'll see them eventually, but it's just been a really sad, sad Christmas season for me and for my family this year. And I, I know that I'm not the only one who has been feeling that way, right? We have high expectations for Christmas, and when things go wrong, it's hard. When we get sick, we have trouble with the family, when flights get delayed with weather, it just feels more painful and more sad. As we prayed earlier, I know some of you have family in the hospital right now. Christmas can be the most t lonely time of the year. You know, I, I've been reflecting on all of this, and I, and I can't help but wonder if God and his sovereignty had some things that he wanted to teach me specifically this year. You see, I, I put together a sermon series for Advent this year entitled Rejoice in the King. And two days after the first sermon, we found bedbugs. I have rarely felt less joyful in my life than this past month. The series that we've been going through based on Psalms 95 to 100, though, has been not been about rejoicing in our circumstances. It's not been about rejoicing in health. It's not been about rejoicing in our comfortable homes or our families. It's been about rejoicing in God, who is the king over all the earth, the holy one the righteous and just one who is worthy of all praise and whom we should obey. It's easy to say we're rejoicing in God when things are going well. But as I've learned and as Job learned in the Bible, it's a lot harder when things, all those good things get stripped away. And, and my, my month hasn't been as hard as many people's months have been in other parts of the world or maybe some of you as well. But even in those times, it's just hard, right? And yet, Though it's hard, rejoicing in the Lord is still worth doing. We can and we should and we must rejoice in our King even when things stink, even when things are hard. We need to learn that all the good things in life, our families, our health, our homes, that these, though these are a few of our favorite things, as the song says, 
They fade in comparison to the goodness of God. That he's the one worth rejoicing in. And today on Christmas morning, while being sad that my parents and my brothers who were supposed to be here but aren't because they're quarantining, while being sad that this month has been, been hard, I'm rejoicing in God. Because Christmas is about him. So today as we finish our Advent series, we're going to look back together, look together at Psalm 100. And we're going to rejoice in the King who is our God and who is our Good Shepherd. So let me read that for you again. It's a short psalm, Psalm 100. It says, it's a psalm for giving grateful praise. And then verse 1 says, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So this psalm, it divides neatly into two halves. Verses 1 to 3 and verses 4 and 5. Each of the two halves gives us three commands. If you're looking at them, three commands to worship God. I'll read them for you again. Look at verses 1 and 2. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. So that's the first half. And then in verse 4, the second half, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So there's those three commands to rejoice in the Lord in both halves. And so these six commands in this psalm are an invitation to come into God's presence with joy and gladness, to be loud and enthusiastic, to shout and sing and praise and worship. Can I I tell you a secret? I love our church, and that's not the secret. I hope you, I hope you know that. I'm, I'm so blessed by this church. I'm so blessed by all of you. Uh, I, I have always thought that our church is, is friendly and thoughtful and kind and good. They treat our, their pastors well. I'm so glad to be part of this godly, passionate church. And that's one thing that God's reminded me of during this Bedborg ordeal. People have helped us and prayed for us and been kind to us, and I, I've been so thankful. I've been, in, I've been tearing up with gratitude at times. But you, do you know one thing that I wish was a little different here? I wish we sang louder. You know, there, there are times when the Spirit moves and you can really hear the volume rise as we sing. But in general, we're a little half-hearted sometimes when we sing. It gets a little quiet. It's not this, right? Shout for joy to the Lord. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. You know, I say this with love, but this is a command to sing your hearts out to God. Even if you're not a very good singer, and you're nervous or shy about it, it doesn't matter. Sing anyway. Sing with joy and passion. Sing with gladness and thanksgiving. Know that when you're gathered with God's people in, in, a, in, a, 
emphasized in a special way. You are in the presence of God, right? The second half of the psalm tells us to come into his courts, come into his presence. It's talking about the temple, right? All of us, if we are God's people, have the Holy Spirit living within us. We are the temple of God. We always are in the presence of God. But we're told over and over again in the New Testament that when we gather, this is the temple of God in a particular and important and special way. And so we come into his presence to sing together. And we should sing loudly and with joy. Even if you're singing through tears and with a broken heart, give your all for God. Why? But why should we do that? What what motivates us to sing like that? What's going to move our souls and prick our hearts so that we can't hold back our joyful noises, even if those noises are off-key or broken through tears? Well, well, both halves of this psalm end with reasons for the praise. Look at verse 3 and then at verse 5. Verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. And then verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Those verses are both speaking of God's people's relationship with God, the, the relationship that Israel had with God, and and by extension that we have with God. First of all, in verse 3, it reminds us who our God is. Who our God is. Verse 3 says, know that the Lord is God. Now, that may seem like repetitive and unhelpful information. Aren't the Lord and God both the same thing? Why, Why are we repeating that? That's true, but in the Old Testament, when you read the word Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the English translation for the, word, the name of God, Yahweh, right? What this is saying is Baal is not God. Buddha is not God. Vishnu is not God. The Allah of the Quran is not God. Yahweh of the Bible is God. The Yahweh who made himself known to Moses at the burning bush who rescued his people from Egypt, who dwelt among them while they wandered in the wilderness, who helped them take the promised land for themselves, who established King David as their king, who was present in the temple, who didn't abandon them when he punished them for their sins. Who is God? The God who has a relationship with his people who has shown love and faithfulness to them, he is God. He made the world, but he also claimed Israel as his special possession. He was their shepherd all throughout their history. Verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. Not only did he make us, but he's claimed us specially for himself. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. He loved them and was faithful to them. And because God is good, that love and that faithfulness of God, the good shepherd, are forever. Verse 5 says, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, listen, this psalm is incredibly upbeat, right? You shouldn't be singing this in a minor key, right? This is a, this is a, a praise, excited, happy song. And it's easy to say these things when you are happy, 
But you really have to stop and think about them when you aren't happy. Right? Do I really believe this? Is it really true? Israel, who, who sang this song, they knew the truth of this. They knew how hard it was to say this when things were hard. Because if you know the story of Israel, you know they suffered a lot in their history. And at times it did feel like God had abandoned them. The story in the Old Testament tells us that because they sinned so terribly for so many years, for so many generations, God allowed them to be conquered by Babylon and taken into captivity. It was a horrible, violent, awful punishment. And about a generation later, God did rescue them and he allowed them to come home to Israel and rebuild. But they never really recovered. They were still a conquered and oppressed people with no king for hundreds and hundreds of years. And through that time, they held on to these promises. They sang this psalm. The Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. They would say, we know that this is true. No matter our circumstances, even though Rome oppresses us, even though God's promises have not yet come true, even though we are not flourishing, we're barely scraping by, even though the faithful suffer and those who have turned their back on God are, are prospering, they would still sing Psalm 100. They would still loudly rejoice even though that rejoicing may have been muffled by tears. You know, last night on Christmas Eve, we sang the Christmas carol, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. You know, for generations, Israel hung on to this promise that God's love would not fail that his faithfulness would not run out, that he would not forget that they were his people and that he was their shepherd. Until finally, at just the right time in God's sovereignty and providence, God's plan came to pass. And God the Father sent God the Son to his people Israel. He was born of a virgin conceived by the, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and this baby who was born, Jesus, was God incarnate, God in the flesh. God come to dwell with us. He fulfilled the prophecies of Isaiah that a child would be born and would be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He was even better than the temple had been where God had dwelt before because now God dwelt with his people in a new way, completely knowable, completely approachable. And his name was Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. You know, when he grew up, Jesus began his ministry of teaching and healing people. And along the way, he said the words that Aaron read from John earlier. John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd. That was God's title. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. Jesus is saying here nothing less than, I am Yahweh. I'm the God of the Old Testament. I'm the shepherd of Israel who came to lay down his life for his sheep. I've come to rescue you. 
Not from your hard circumstances, but from the deeper problem of your sin. He goes on to say in verse 16 of John 10, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. He says, Israel, I have more people that I'm going to save. My other sheep, that's us. That's the Gentiles who were previously excluded from God's family, from God's flock. You think about this, the ones who were oppressing God's people. The nations around them are brought into God's flock so that Yahweh and Jesus can be our shepherd too. That's why Christmas is worth rejoicing about. The family gatherings, the presents, the festivities are nice if you're able to do them. But to steal from Dr. Seuss, Christmas, it seems, it comes without ribbons, it comes without tags, it comes without, without packages, boxes, or bags. It can even come without family, even in loneliness. I, I hope you're not lonely this Christmas. I hope that you're able to celebrate at least with someone from church today. But in the end, even if you are lonely, even if you are suffering today, even if you are very sad, the joy of Christmas is about Jesus. It's about our King, our Good Shepherd who came to rescue us and whose love endures forever, whose faithfulness continues through all generations to us and beyond us forever. I hope you'll take comfort in that today and be able to rejoice in Him.